you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dan here, before we get to our special divisional round uh, recap show, I want to get to FanDuel. FanDuel FanDuel.com, did you think your fantasy football season was over? Don't wait till next year. Play more fantasy football for real cash this season over at FanDuel.com. Matt Nichols from Ohio. Matty Nicks. Joey Watts turned a $25 deposit into over twenty-five grand playing fantasy football on FanDuel. Join him and the hundreds of thousands of other users who have already won money. FanDuel is paying out more than $10 million every week this NFL season, but there's only two weeks left to play this NFL season. So please don't miss out. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right corner. A lot right of emotion there when you're asking people, please. Don't I mean, you mean out. it. If you miss out, you're going to be kicking yourself for the rest of your life. Just as, just as Joey Watts. Uh, use our code around and sign up now. New user special. FanDuel is giving you a bonus of up to 200 bucks on your first deposit for every dollar you deposit. FanDuel will match it up to $200. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code around. Don't forget to use our code around. Don't miss out on all the fantasy football you can handle. FanDuel.com. Sign up today. The Around the NFL podcast always goes for it on fourth and one. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Don't be disappointed about some heroes. Because we got a lot to talk about and a lot of good games. This oh, weekend. what a weekend! We got we're <laughs> treated to a great division round weekend, which to me isn't a huge surprise because this is the best weekend of the season. We as we always say, wild card weekend, eh, B minus, divisional round, eh, A to A minus. <laughs> it's the one weekend a year where I jump out of my chair more than Greg does. That's true. Even during the Patriots Ravens, which I think. That was the all-time classic to kickstart the weekend. We got a classic and some controversy on Sunday, a game we'll never forget also in the Broncos-Colts, uh, a big upset. But on balance, what a nice little four-pack here. And Wes was going crazy. You were more into the – you were you were rooting on the Patriots. You were liking that. I like Well, that. the hubris of the Ravens <laughs> and the media covering the Ravens really got me going all week, so I was happy to see a thrilling game and that the – Tom Brady kind of showed people that maybe he is better than Joe Flacco. We'll get to that game later, but with six minutes left, Wes just declares for the entire newsroom to hear, this is the one of the top, what was it, ten? Top, top, top ten football games top, I've ever seen, no matter what happens. Ten games of all of time, no matter what happens well, I, the rest uh, of the way. In fairness, when I got into the office and the game was 21-20 Packers-Cowboys, and Wes was calling it like the worst game he's ever seen. So maybe all, all this like hyper talk <laughs> well, from Wes, we got to tone it down each direction. Mark and I were comparing watching an injured Aaron Rodgers in the first half was like watching Moonlighting if, you know, Agnes Moonlighting DePesto was the Inamorata instead I'm, of Sybil Shepherd. Do people oh born after, you know, <laughs> 1988, that was a TV show with Bruce Willis. Uh, it was a good TV's show. TV's like, what? It was some of the best on-screen chemistry you've ever seen from a couple. Wow. Between what the hell? <laughs> yes, between Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard, it was like uh, the defining on-screen 
on-screen chemistry of TV. No one that history. knows how to listen to a podcast has ever heard of that show. I was going to say, uh, tune in next <laughs> week when Wes breaks down the mysteries of Luke and Laura from uh, One Life to Live in the early I don't know what that is. All right, you New York bozos. Let's get into the games. Uh, by the way, that was an Aaron Rodgers dummy call uh, he announced. Mm. If you picked it up, the mics he was using that. He said that is not a real call. And TD, if you want to take a note, that might be a good little uh, get to the news drop. Unless I already walked on your glory. Uh, he's got oh. a big oh, smile. No. Oh, no. You're the New York bozo here. I'm the big old <laughs> New York bozo. All right, let's get into the games. We'll start with the AFC, and we'll get into the big game in Denver. The big upset of the week where Andrew Luck threw two touchdown passes and the Indianapolis Colts upset Peyton Manning and the Broncos, the number two seed Broncos, a 24-13 win on Sunday in the AFC Divisional Round playoffs. The Colts now move on to the AFC title game to play the Patriots, so there will be no Manning-Brady. And uh, listen, first of all, I hate myself and I want to die because I talked all week how I thought that the (laughs) – the Colts. I was the one. You're I started lead with, it. You're gonna lead with this. Yeah, I thought this was the, the Colts. They were gonna steal this game. I chickened out and changed my pick to the Broncos on Saturday. I'll never forgive myself. Cost me the perfect playoff. Right. You were seven and zero before 7-0 that. Seven and zero going to the game. I hate myself. I want to die. But let's talk about. Let's try to get past that collectively because I know <laughs> okay. it's on everyone's minds. Let's talk about the game. Wes, um, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, passing the torch game. Yes or no? Yes. I. We have to be careful with the term passing the torch because mm-hmm. you mentioned this in the video we did, which will be up on NFL now. Sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Wow. Not even, even, that's not even true. Can you do that? Can you give free advertising yeah, to a sponsor? We're, we're, we're Official sponsor of the NFL. Send us money. Joey Watt. As long as MVP Aaron Rodgers is in the league and as long as Tom Brady is going for his ninth AFC championship game, he's not really passing the torch as the NFL's best quarterback. But definitely from one Colts legend to another – and a guy who, in luck, could end up breaking Manning's records down the road. What a strange experience it had to have been for Colts fans to be on the other side of a Peyton Manning one and done. I know. Let's we'll get into the whole game, but just the emotion because I don't think people appreciate how much they love Peyton Manning. I mean, that's the greatest player that they've ever seen, and they like him even more as a person. And yet here they are with the the young gun who just easily outplays them, and they must be having flashbacks to some of those early Manning losses and some of the worst moments of Manning's Colts career and just be like, man, I'm glad that guy's not our quarterback anymore. This one was a little bit different. We knew going into this game this was part of our analysis. Peyton Manning isn't the same player now as he was at midseason. And you could tell he just – he he was lifting floaters down the sidelines over and over again off target, and it was just a different quarterback. It it was amazing to watch how the game broke down too because in the first half – Manning and the offense repeatedly tried to beat the Colts deep, and it wasn't working. He was throwing those big floaters, and they were just, you know, not terrible throws, most of them, but just out of the reach by a yard or two. And then after they gave up on the deep ball throwing, they tried to go underneath, but the, it seemed like Indy's defense had just basically called Manning's bluff, said, you can't beat us downfield, and we're going to clamp down. And I'd never seen a game where the team was in more third and sevens. Every single <laughs> possession and every pass, even on third and seven, was a three-yard pass where they're, tr- they're trying to get to the sticks. It was amazing to see Peyton Manning's offense look so pedestrian. I, I know Manning has struggled, but this was different. This was four-point uh, five, nine yards per throw. And that's after padding his stats a little bit in a meaningless late drive. It was under four before that. So this isn't just Manning compared to his old self was struggling. This is Manning putting up a stinker of a performance that you wouldn't expect to see if Andy Dalton went out there and did that. People would be like, oh, my God, Andy Dalton choked again. What a terrible Andy Dalton game. And it was Peyton Manning in, the, in these Broncos. He led the league in touchdowns this year. And – I was thinking when we're talking about passing the torch, it's like, yes, Brady's in the discussion for best quarterback. Rodgers is probably the best quarterback, but kind of the guy that is the the quarterback's quarterback was built to be a star quarterback. And Manning did such a great job being that guy for so long. And now Luck seems to be, and it's kind of just fitting or ironic or coincidental that he replaced Manning. So it all kind of came together on one night. So that's that's how I look at it. The Luck critics are running out of ammunition now. <laughs> Now they decided in this game that two third and long interceptions where he decided 
basically to punt the ball instead of checking down for something that wouldn't have been a first down anyway. There are luck critics? Yeah. I, there aren't many. It's, it's, amaz- get out of it's amazing. amazing. But Wes, you do have a little bit of a, what's what's the word for it? Uh you man know, when crush? you're kind of making up critics that Revision don't – straw, straw, straw man. Straw man. Straw man. It's a little bit of a straw man It's argument. not at all. Look, this is a quarterback who should <laughs> have zero – Who's killing Andrew Luck? Everyone loves Andrew this Luck. This is a quarterback who should have zero critics. And for me, it's a blockable <laughs> offense on Twitter if you say anything bad about Andrew Luck. Well, the thing about Luck, this was a very typical Luck game to me. Whereas last week I thought was one of the best games we saw from – I thought this was a typical game. In that, you know, there was a couple missed throws. Everyone's going to have missed throws. But there was four throws that just took wow, your throws. breath away. And that was the difference. That on third and 16, for instance, to start out the second half, he throws that little floater over the middle to Fleener. At that point, and then they go in and score, that that felt like it's done right that point. It did. And let's get away from the quarterbacks for a little bit. The Colts team as a whole, the offensive line pitched a Golston. Zero sacks. Zero hits. Or, or Dirty Peter. Zero, but, yeah. zero <laughs> quarterback hits. Yeah. Von Miller and, De- and DeMarcus Ware. It, it's amazing. I watched the week one game, and it, I was thinking about it a lot in this game because a couple things were the same. One, Manning threw deep like crazy in week one, and he did it in this one in the first half. Except in week one, he hit them all. This time it didn't happen. Another thing that was really consistent, they had no pressure on Andrew Luck in the first game, which is stunning to me, and they had even less in this game. Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, for everyone that's going to be killing Peyton Manning, and and I understand why that happened, they put a lot of money into that defense, and they got no pressure on Luck. And T.Y. Hilton, basically, Luck picked on, on Aqib Tlaib, targeted him, picked on him, Hilton got drew two holding penalties on Tlaib. I wondered why Chris Harris wasn't on him, as we talked about last week. We thought he would be. Then uh, on the other side of the ball, the Colts cornerbacks, Vontae Davis had three passes defense. Greg Toller played really physical uh, and tackled well. It was it was a great performance by the Colts cornerbacks. Vontae Davis has come a long way from on, being on Hard Knocks crying in Jeff Ireland's hmm. office and asking to talk to his grandma on the phone after he got traded. He played an awesome game. There was a play at the end of the game. The game was Essentially decided, but the Broncos had one more drive uh, before it became kind of well decided that he actually ran the route of uh, the Broncos receiver. Oh, yeah. Had a perfect oh, – he dropped the ball because cornerbacks can't catch. Um, <laughs> it's just a weird thing. They have no hand-eye coordination. But it's amazing. <laughs> like, this guy is playing at an elite level. He's a top-ten cornerback. Five passes defense. I mean, he might be a top – Two cornerback right now. I don't know if I don't know if Darrell Re- I don't even know if Darrell Revis is the best cornerback in next week's game. At least the way that Whoa. Vontae Davis has played this season. I would say they're they're about at the same same level. I, and Davis certainly had a better playoff game here. That's true. By the way, we we'd be remiss if we don't mention uh, Mark Sessler. By the way, oh my god, not here. Mark Sessler <laughs> predicted way back after week one that Peyton Manning would play sixteen more games exactly. 16 more after week one. So this was the 16th game. And then get eliminated from the postseason and then retire. So that would be his last game would be the divisional playoff loss. And right now he's halfway home. And it sounds like Manning is considering it because they asked him after the game. Calm down with that, but okay, go ahead. No, there's no calming down. He is considering it. They asked him if he's committed to playing next year, and he said he couldn't answer that question. Jim Nance and Phil Simms, who had a conversation with him before the game, and to me this is a smoking gun, he said, I need to see what happens, take some time, and this is before they even played, see who's here next year. So I think he's talking about Adam Gase that he doesn't want to learn a new system. And I think by the time people hear this podcast or by the time we do another podcast, Adam Gase is going to be the Denver Broncos head coach, if I had to guess. And Don mm. Fox will be out. Gase is lifted up. I mean, we, we don't know. To but keep Manning. To keep Manning in, in one sense and to have a long-term coach that maybe you like better than John Fox. This is another offseason in which Elway is going to have to reload. Wes Welker will be gone probably. He's a free agent and really lost his game this year. We think Gase and Manning will be back together. If I had to guess, yes, but it wouldn't stun me if Manning retired at this point. Julius can, Thomas and Demarius Thomas, both free agents. Basically, Elway went out and bought a defense last year and then watched his offense become an Achilles heel in the, in the 
and, playoffs. And by the way, one more thing about Manning and retirement. I said this to you downstairs, Greg. If there was ever a guy that was locked in to do a Derek <laughs> Jeter retirement tour, it's Peyton Manning. <laughs> he ain't right. walking away without letting everyone know first. And I don't even fault him for it, but he seems like a guy that's going to let everybody know this will be my last year and then soak up the accolades. Well, not to mention, he played well. There's nothing that he could possibly do for the rest of his life that could replace the love he has for football. And he's going to get paid $19 million next year. There's a lot of reasons to come back. But I think one one thing that has to concern Elway is this game, the craziest thing about this game was it wasn't as close as the score indicated. No, I, I thought the it Colts, should have been a blowout. The Colts were significantly better in just about every aspect, and they really could have beat the Broncos by more. And and the thing I'll remember I, more than anything, I think, is that, that eight-minute drive they had to, to finish off the game. It ended up just being a field goal, but the fact that they just ran the ball down the throats of the Broncos with Boom Heron to win the game, I, that was, a, it was really impressive. I, I wrote about it also about that, you know, it must have been hard for Manning to be there on the sideline watching what he'd done for years and years to teams with like a long, perfectly managed drive that chews up a lot of the quarter and takes them to a win. Now he's watching this young guy doing it. I mean, it has to be – I mean, he has to be feeling his football mortality because that's the other thing about him. You know, Elway's going to do a lot of work, obviously, to retool the team, and maybe they'll get the coaching staff set up so Manning comes back. But is Manning any good anymore – uh, in really at that elite in that elite sense, I mean the guys, some of those deep balls, like you, you know, Wes, you could throw better than that guy. Uh, I think I might be the mailman to... could oh, do stop. it. Stop. It is the, the mailman. X, the, it, that is the X factor, though. If he doesn't feel physically that he can compete at that high level, you're, that's the thing that could just stop him from playing. I'm not willing to go there as far as him being washed up. We don't know what he's dealing with physically. And I'm just not willing to say this guy should retire or he's not that great anymore. All we can say is that what we saw the last two months of the season, he wasn't great anymore. Right. And credit and credit goes to the Colts. That drive, for instance, and the way that you, you talked about it downstairs, that their defense is better than we give it credit for, that it's had some good performances, especially down the stretch here. And that drive when they ran the ball, that was the drive that made me think, all right, I mean, I kind of wanted the Colts to win here because I, I liked the story and I thought maybe it's an easier matchup for the Patriots, but... Maybe it's not an easier matchup for the Patriots. It's Andrew Luck in a defense that's playing its best ball of the year. Like Peyton Manning, I'm not going to ask you to give me an answer now, but start thinking about the pee-your-pants scale for Andrew Luck. It, it's low. It's yeah. going to be low. It, you can't, if you're a fan, about it. if you're a fan, and we'll talk about it, but if you're a fan after that game, how can you not believe in your team? That's all. all right, oh, so, yeah. All right, so the Colts move on to the AFC title game, uh, and they will play, as we've alluded to, the New England Patriots. Greg's boys with a, an amazing come-from-behind win, a 35-31 victory. Uh, they were losing 28-14 in this game, but Tom Brady, uh, really, you know, the guy's amazing, but he reminded us in a huge spot, delivers three touchdown passes, 367 yards passing, outduels Flacco, Joe Flacco, who started out great and then faded a little bit. So the Patriots come back, nip the Ravens in a great game in Foxborough, an instant classic, really, and move on to an AFC title game. Tom Brady's ninth, which is just outrageous. Out of 13 years that he's been healthy enough, he's made it to nine, which is, that I think, of all the Tom Brady stats you come up with, that might be the number one. That's impressive. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible that, that they've been able to sustain this as long as they have. Even as a Jets fan who's really looked at this franchise as the bane of my existence as a football fan, you cannot like, not respect what they've been able to do. Uh, Wes, I know that you were, you were very confident that the Patriots would take care of business, but you've got to admit the Ravens, again, came into that building, gave that team a real scare, and almost stole the game. Absolutely. The Ravens played a very impressive game, and I doubted that Flacco could exploit the Patriots secondary that's exactly what he did he came out and just marched down the field in the first half had no problem with the Patriots defense whatsoever it was 14 nothing before you blinked I was writing about Dick LeBeau's retirement during the first quarter because that came came out of nowhere and I was glad I didn't have to pay that close attention because it was like that but I think one of the key parts of the game for me is each time they fell down by 14 points, Tom Brady immediately directed a touchdown drive that took no time at all. It was like three minutes, 80 yards, boom, we're right, we're right back to one score. So even though they were down 14 points twice and they're the first team to ever you know, make that kind of comeback in a playoff game and win, it was like it, they weren't really ever out of the game for long. They were always right back to one score. He didn't let that linger and let the crowd and the team kind of feel like, oh, my gosh, here we go again in January with another tough loss. It felt like until Edelman hit Amendola on the uh, basically the trick play, 
it felt like Gronkowski was carrying the entire Patriots team. Without right. him, they couldn't do anything. And that kind of changed it up a little bit. They got contributions from LaFell after that on the game, game-winning game touchdown. Amendola had a great game. I, th- Gronk was the best player in the field, though. He's their MVP. I mean, the quarterback's always going to be the MVP, but if Gronk's not in that game, I don't think it's close. And I, I think Brady didn't really have a very good ha- first half at no, all. He I didn't. mean, they had 14 points, but he had the interception before halftime. Uh, he had a he fr- was rattled by pressure. He was rattled by pressure. He missed throws. Uh, and Gronkowski carried them. This game disproved a lot of the playoff maxims that we're used to, where you got to run the ball a little bit, you got to win the battle up front. Then Baltimore won every battle. They, yeah. put, they won on the defensive line. They won on the offensive line. The Patriots ran for 14. I mean, they just won Steve because— Steve Smith beat Darrell Revis. They, they won because of Brady and because of their secondary in the end. Am I crazy or— Jamie Collins. Or was— uh, Jamie, Tom, Jamie Collins made a leap, by the way. Was Tom Brady too pumped up in the first half? He was like a maniac on the sidelines. Every time they cut over to him, he was screaming. He was so furious. It was the first time I ever thought when I was watching Brady in a game that maybe he's got to take a deep breath, which I'm not saying that's what he did and then played better in the second half, but you could tell how much this game meant to him. Uh, and what a, he's such a crazy competitor. And that's what I'll kind of miss about him when he's gone. Like People kind of forget like how much this guy, the desire he has, and you see the way he plays. He's just an intense dude. I've thought that for years with these playoff losses that it's almost like he wants it too much and you, you get a little tight. I mean, he had in these games, and that's why this game really stuck out to me, if you go back over the last eight years, you can't come up with a great playoff moment win. They, be, they either won convincingly over teams they really should or they got in a close game against an upstart team and they got tight. And it, it kind of reminds me, I'm not a golf fan, but it reminds me of this Tom Watson moment where he Whoa, had look at you look at this <laughs> where it I just stuck with me where he had the four foot putt to win the British Open at age 54 and he hit it like a foot and a half and he just talked about afterwards how when you're older and you know how much it means it's like you grip that putter a little tighter and to me that's what Brady is in, in golf grips parlance it. it's the yips I don't know if it's a yips, don't but it's just... Don't you think that applies more to Peyton Manning than Brady? Maybe. Manning, who's always talking about his legacy and narrative. Well, and that's that. fair. Brady, however, f- flipped that on his head with that touchdown throw and that touchdown drive because that is going to go down, whether they lose this next game or not, as one of the best Brady moments for me. It has to. That was, I, w- I thought that was one of the best games I've seen ever and definitely the best game I've seen in the past couple of years. 70, wow, high praise. 74 yards, 10 plays, and capping it with that throw to LaFell, which was just – I mean, you texted me. You said that throw was godlike. That was godlike. That was – <laughs> that was the – and we talked about the Moncrief throw from Luck last week. To me, the, the Brady game winner was the best throw I've seen uh, in the playoffs so far, and it was just – it was perfect. And it, 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 the guy just came to play. I hate him. <laughs> and they haven't had a game like this. It's the biggest comeback in playoff history, and in the – if you look over all their wins over the last 10 years, so the only one that I could come up with that was close was 2000 after the 2006 season when they go to San Diego and win. That's always been my number one favorite non-Super like Super Bowl win by the Patriots or Super Bowl season. That was incredible. And this, this is similar, and that's why, as a f- fan, I'm at least going to be overconfident now because I think if you get a game like this out of the way early where you're totally tested, that this team should feel like they can win in any circumstance. One thing that would be overshadowed because the Ravens lost. I think this could have been a fourth down revolution in the NFL. Mm. Jim Harbaugh and Gary Kubiak go for it three times on fourth down, show huge onions, convert all three. And I feel like basically exposed a lot of conservative coaches as doing things the wrong way. And I think this, it will get swept under the rug now, but that would have gained a lot more attention if the Ravens won. And I think a lot of coaches would have said, it's smart to go for I it. I hope you're right. It's funny you say that, too, because you, you often hear the announcers in these playoff games say the same thing. It's like, hey, man, playoffs, go big or go home. But, like, just because it's a playoffs doesn't mean that you should be <laughs> going for it on fourth down and you wouldn't be going for it in October. They, I would think these teams should always have that outlook. It, yeah, there's that sentiment from announcers. And then, on the other hand, there's Phil Simms. <laughs> who wants you to punt every time. And I heard a lot GM. of – I heard some criticism after the game, really everywhere, of Flacco kind of going for it on that touchdown. I mean, on the on the last interception, which, you know, in the end wasn't a good throw. It was a nice defensive play that he should have, you know, kept going underneath, not go for the big play right there. 
and I'm thinking, have you watched this guy? Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's why he's here. Is because he's in his made. DNA. He's made those throws, and that's he's gonna go for it. And he got beat that play, but he had a great game overall. He did. From Wes's excellent wrap-up piece from Saturday, he writes that the Patriots uh, abandoned the run like der- uh, like a derelict shack in an overgrown forest. <laughs> Do you have to pay Sessler royalties for a forest reference? <laughs> A lot of people ask me. I got at least six or seven comments on Twitter. Really? Asking if Sessler ghost wrote that for me. <laughs> That's awesome. TD, how are we doing with my forest sound drop? Oh, it's on its way. It's oh, coming. good. Yeah. <laughs> good. I, I feel like this would have been a good spot for it. Yeah, you know. Okay. Uh, any other takeaways from this game, Greg? I just, I'm curious, did you get any tweets about what was going on in your pants situation, your underpants situation? Oh, my gosh. It, enough <laughs> listeners with the P <laughs> tweets. And it's really Dan's fault. First of all. It's totally my fault. Yeah, it's 100% your fault. You're right. But you shouldn't be sending them every, anyways. It's I got about. 35 P tweets. What's the P meter? A lot of dribble comments. It was like all all the while. And when you're down, when they're down 28 14, I'm. It's not as amusing as you would think it is. You and Wes was across from me. I was pretty calm, relative. You I, were. I was fine. Someone asked where was Greg on the quiet storm meter, and I, you know, basically oh, Greg that, was uncomfortable. You could tell, but he was. He's not intense like the quiet storm is. No, uh, that, no. that's Marks. Greg does not. There is no quiet storm with Greg. There is, there's a storm within, but it's not. It's neither quiet nor loud. It's just something. It's just bubbling. Well, you can feel it. Part of it is that Greg's not quite as fanatical uh, of a Patriots follower as he was back in the day. Well, I yeah, that's what he says. During this game, I was saying that I'm tired of being a fan at all. Almost like I don't like giving over. It's been such a hard. Dozen years for God. you following the Patriots. Just wait until Tommy Boy's that's gone. Not, that's not even what I mean. This. It's just like I enjoy football. Like that love has only grown as I've been reading come, it. I come don't to need the dark side. I don't Greg. need these crazy <laughs> emotional ups and downs. Yeah. Who needs it? I've I'm, heard Sessler say the same thing, by the way, that he's been hurt too much. I do look forward to the day where there's three <laughs> agnostics and me just like for the pure love of the game, the only guy that has a team anymore. I can see Greg coming to the dark side. I don't think there will ever nah. be a day when Mark Gives yeah, up the I don't think so either. By the way, one final point, and this is totally off topic, but we've taken a lot of heat from ourselves on the making the leap. Okay, list. okay. Jamie Collins. That guy's m- a monster. Not only has he made the leap, Chris Collinsworth said he thinks he could be the best player in the NFL, which seems outrageous. Uh, Chris, come on, buddy. <laughs> That's when I said Collinsworth was floating away like a helium balloon. But he was, <laughs> he was monstrous in this game, and he's a lot of fun to watch and yeah. to see him show up there, it made me happy. As bad as that list was, we had Le'Veon Bell and Jamie Collins in the top five, and those were two of the best people you could have picked. I honestly, I feel like uh, I should say that we shouldn't bring up the list, though. Honestly, if uh, if well, any listeners out there have not seen the list, we only ranked five players. Yeah, there you go. And Le'Veon <laughs> Bell and Jamie Collins were in there. Is the is the making the leap uh, list back in 2015, Greg? Yeah, we're gonna keep doing it. All right. If Mark was here, he would be firing away his opinion <laughs> on it, and it would be uh, in direct opposition. But anyway, that is it. That's the AFC side of things. So we got the Patriots and the Colts on Sunday afternoon in Foxborough. That will be fun. Let's move to the NFC, and we'll start in Green Bay, Wisconsin, Lambeau Field, where the Cowboys had their chance to get back to the NFC title game for the first time in ages. And for a while, it looked like they might do it. They jumped out ahead, but... Ultimately, it was the Green Bay Packers' day. They rallied back from an 11-point deficit. Aaron Rodgers on that bum calf still delivered through two fourth-quarter touchdowns. And then, of course, the big play of the game they'll be talking about will be how this game is remembered, unfortunately, because it was a great game. But this is the play. Des Bryant, 31-yard reception to the one-yard line under five minutes of play, which would have given the Cowboys first and goal with a chance to take the lead. The flag is thrown by Mike McCarthy. The play is overruled uh, in accordance with the NFL rulebook. It was not a catch, even though it looked like to the to the uh, layman that it was a catch. Green Bay salts the game away, and that's it, 26-21. The Green Bay Packers move on to Seattle in the NFC title game, and the Cowboys go home in excruciating fashion. Greg, does God hate Tony Romo, or the at fo- least the football the gods? The football gods hate Tony Romo. What does this guy got to do to get a break? I mean, one of the greatest moments of his career, one of the, a great performance in Green Bay, 15 for 19, over 10 yards per throw. He goes for it on the fourth down, makes a great throw. Bryant makes just as good a catch, and they overturn it. 
and he never gets the ball back. I, I think what's overlooked in that whole ending sequence the, was the fact that the game ended on a tipped pass mm. throw from Rodgers that ended up a first down. If that thing hits the ground, the Cowboys get the ball back with a chance to either tie the game or maybe Crosby misses the field goal. Maybe they punt it, and maybe it's to go win the game. I would have loved to have seen that. We were robbed of a career-defining catch, a great ending to a game potentially, and one of the best playoff moments we've ever seen by a convoluted rule. And as much as Adam Carolla and Greg Rosenthal. Whoa. <laughs> Greg's in the room, too. This is how you know it's going to be nice. For, for years, railed against the uprights thing. This has been my. Oh, okay. I've been tilting at windmills on the, on the convoluted catch rule You're right. for years. It makes no sense. He's right. Nobody understands it. All of the major networks employ a person to explain this stupid rule to fans because the NFL can't figure it out what it is. Somebody asked Mike Carey at one point to explain the rule, and his head exploded. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Mike Carey's no longer with us. But, no, Mike, uh, Mike Pereira, who's actually good at that job, uh, tried to explain it on Fox. And, he, and, he, and that's the thing. That's what's so annoying about the calls, which Wes is saying. is like they got the call right, but the, the rule is the stupid. Rule is still, and, and I criticize it because all sincerity – the NFL runs a better sport than any league in America, by far. And one of the reasons is because when a rule doesn't work, they fix it. They want the game to be as entertaining as possible for the fans, and they rob the fans of entertainment in this game. It, it really hit me watching the halftime show of the Broncos-Colts game, that the entire halftime show was rules mumbo-jumbo trying to listen to Bart Scott explain some convoluted yeah, rule. Good luck he, with that. he can't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. And then I think the NFL has to look at, is this what we want to be talking about after the biggest moment of Tony Romo's career, after a, a heroic performance by Aaron Rodgers, a great game between two franchises, and we're spending the whole halftime trying to figure out a rule that the average fan can't and that the officials can't really because they seem like they disagree depending on the week. I agree. It's, it's not called consistently at all, and nobody knows what a football move is at all, even if that was applicable to this situation. The rules are too convoluted. They need to be more basic. But even if, if it is he had to make some type of football move or whatever the archaic wording they're using, he was reaching for the pylon. That's a catch, and then the football move, ah, it drives us crazy. But let's talk more about the game and get off that because it was it was a really good game. I know Wes, you disagreed. You thought it was a little shaky. Early on, because the first half I thought was incredibly boring. Because Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and and I tweeted about this earlier in the game. It, once we saw that he really and we all suspected this could be the case that he would have trouble moving in the pocket and uh, escaping the rush. Once it became clear that he wasn't going to be able to move around too much and he needed that line to hold up, this game was anybody's game. There was no longer uh, a favorite in the building. And it's just a testament to him that he was able to adapt the way he did and deliver such a great performance in the se second half. Looking at the box score, you would never know he was injured. No. 316 yards <laughs> and three touchdowns on 35 throws. You would have never known, and yet he was totally diminished. It's because he completed his last 10 passes for 160-something yards and two touchdowns. Every single one of those was a completion. He caught fire in the second half. And, and to give Jerry Jones credit, when he talked about uh, that he thought it was a catch, he, he was talking about you know I, he was worried about his defense, that can our defense stop Aaron Rodgers and hold on to this lead that we're about to get. And that, that is the right thinking because – you know, Des Bryant makes that catch, then they go in and score the touchdown. I have no confidence that the Cowboys are going to be able to stop. Obviously, we would have liked to have seen it, and the whole game changes. But I think the Packers, in the end, their offense was the best group on the field. They were the better offense overall than Dallas. I think Rodgers was a different player in the second half. It, beyond just escaping the pocket, he wasn't getting his legs into his throws, and he was missing Way more throws than you ever see Aaron Rodgers miss. And then in the second half, it seemed like he ironed that out, got his legs back into his throwing motion. And I still feel like this has to be a concern going into the NFC Championship game against the NFL's best defense. You've got a quarterback who has hobbled for most of the game. There were a lot of unforced errors early, too. Nelson had a drop. You know, the the Packers had that big penalty by Lang that, that, took, that could have taken points off the board. So it was – wasn't like a the cleanest game in the world. Rodgers could have gotten a little more help, I believe, especially early. This, but yeah, it cannot be forgotten that how in in command Dallas appeared to be at one point in this game. Twenty one thirteen after Demarco Murray's touchdown when late I, in the third quarter. I got in my car. It's a good point. To drive to the office in 
right as DeMarco Murray scored a touchdown, and I had my radio on Sirius, which gives you the option of listening to the local uh, radio broadcast. So I had the, the Green Bay uh, radio broadcast on. And these guys, the, you it sounded like a funeral the way the guys are calling the game. And he even said, even though this game is just one score – it feels like the Cowboys are in total control. And it just – it did – that was a little bit, you know, home fan or home broadcast leaning there, and they were a little doom and gloom. But really, this was the Cowboys game. They they should have won this game, and, and they got robbed, I thought, by the call and Bryant. But ultimately, they, that's not the only reason they lost this game, just like it wasn't the only reason the Lions lost last week. Well, I think you can't overstate how injured Rodgers looked for two-and-a-half quarters – we, we were in the newsroom, and I said it's like Andy Dalton's quarterback in the Packers right now. You couldn't count on any Aaron Rodgers to make plays for two and a half quarters. Well, you also have to remember when they fall down eight and the Packers, you know, broadcast is so worried about what does Aaron Rodgers do? He does a 90-yard touchdown drive in less than three minutes, very similar to the type of responses that Brady had. So that's the MVP of the league and your best player stepping up. They had two third downs on that drive. Early on, they had a third third and three at the, their own 17. I mean, they're almost punting, giving the, the Cowboys field position there, down eight. But he hits a third down to Devontae Adams, who was huge in that game. And then he hits the 46-yard touchdown on third and 15. So the Cowboys, who really played pretty good coverage most of the day, Orlando Scandrick was on Cobb, and Brandon Carr did a very nice job on Jordy Nelson. Ultimately, it's third and 15 in a huge spot, and you gave up a 46-yard touchdown because you can't tackle anyone. They're done in by that Sterling Moore-Devontae Adams matchup and then J.J. Wilcox whiffing on Adams' long touchdown. Oh, that was bad, too. It, it was awful. Isn't it crazy? We, we won't think of Devontae Adams as like having the greatest rookie year of all time or anything, but he's essentially won them their two biggest games of the year. He, sen- game, he essentially yeah. beat the Patriots. His matchup beat the Patriots, and he was – Probably the most valuable, at least the most valuable receiver on the on the Packers. His run after catch ability was really impressive today. And Wes, we're we're going to get into the NFC title game all week, obviously. But uh, how concerned are you about Rodgers dealing with the Seattle defense? Is this a P scale or just a normal one to ten scale? <laughs> well, we'll hold off on the P scale. Let's. This is just normal, non urine based scale right now. I I would give it on a scale of one to ten. I would give it a a, a good solid seven and a half scare on, on Rodgers' calf because as well as he played from four minutes left in the third quarter on for the other three quarters, that was an issue. It was a major issue in his performance and in how the Packers played. I said in our video, which again, you guys should check out uh, on the website that this to me, although it, everything points to Seattle being in a really good spot, this also feels like an Aaron Rodgers, a football life season that's coming together. What with their slow start and getting beat bad in Seattle in week mm. one. And then he does his famous relaxed comment, and they go on that roll. He hurts himself. He fights through it, wins this heroic game, and then gets revenge on Seattle in the NFC title game, limping all over the place, and then wins the Super Bowl over Tommy Boy Brady. That was our Super Bowl prediction. That is a football life <laughs> before uh, the season come to life, and it just seems like this could be his special year, his MVP season. I don't know. We'll see. I'll buy that script. He he needs could, to could happen. He needs to have everyone around him be a little better than they were today, and they were good. They were good today. Ultimately, they gained a hundred more yards than the Cowboys. But I mean, Julius Peppers. I was gonna say I don't know if Julius Peppers can play better than he did today. <laughs> right. He was the best player on the field for most of it. Just crazy. But I I guess I mean Clay Matthews. And Eddie Lacy went over 100 yards, so you can't really knock him, although he disappeared for about two and a half quarters of that game. Through no it? fault of his own. I don't know why they, they go away with, from him They so have different much. packages. At the end there, they, they were using Randall Cobb as a sidecar in the back in the backfield because they wanted to force the Cowboys to play zone. And we'll, we'll talk about it all week, but what a – I mean, their offensive line is going to have to just – have a pristine little pocket, which is not easy that's to do. That's going to be hard to do against Michael Bennett and Bruce Irvin. That's going to be very difficult to do, but that's, you know, you go, you don't win the Super Bowl by playing a bunch of chumps. That's true. All right, you New York bozos. Let's move on to the final game uh, that we'll go, for, go through. It was actually Saturday night. It was played at CenturyLink Field in Seattle where Russell Wilson, he's like, what about me and the torch? He threw three touchdown passes. Cam Chancellor returned an interception, 90 yards, a pick six. And the Seahawks took care of business, beating the Panthers 31-17 to move to the NFC title game for the second straight year. That's right, right? It's the third or st- second? 
Ah, you know, it doesn't matter. Okay. The history's the history, and we're in the future now, and the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks are moving on. They're in the final four. They have won a playoff game every year Wilson's been in the league, but no, they didn't make the title game the first year. All right, good. I'm glad we figured that out. <laughs> the Panthers are done. The Seahawks move on, and let's uh, talk about it. We have on the phone from his uh, New Jersey haunted mansion, he was in the gentleman. He's obviously in great peril once again, as you could hear. He was in Seattle. I don't know where Greg is getting this money, but he, <laughs> Greg flew out Connor from Jersey to Seattle to uh, cover this game for around the NFL. And Connor, of course, got the job done, did a great job. Connor Orr, what's up, buddy? What's happening, everybody? Oh, man. Hey, Connor. Hey, so I was uh, in Seattle for the week uh, week one kickoff game, and which was a real fun experience because it's such a great home crowd, and that was week one defending the title. What was the crowd like there yesterday? It was insane. Uh, you know, I talked to a couple people who said when uh, Cam Chancellor kind of sealed the game with that pick six, um, I, I heard a couple fans, like I like to walk around with the fans like after the game if I could catch some of them on the way back just to hear what they were saying. And a couple of season ticket holders said that they had never heard the, the stadium that loud after wow. the, the Cam Chancellor pick six. And, and that's saying something since they – seem to continuously one-up their uh, Guinness Book of World Records status <laughs> in that stadium. And and this was a game where uh, I thought Carolina really, for a, a 500 team that nobody thought gave any chances game, they at least made it interesting into the fourth quarter or into the second half. Uh, but there was never a moment, Greg, I would think, where you ever thought, wow, is this a game they could steal, was there? No, but it's easy to forget that it was a four-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and it struck me how similar all these Seahawks home games have been lately, that it'll be tied or they're losing at halftime, that they'll kind of get it going maybe in the third quarter, and then suddenly the fourth quarter comes, and it's just like, it's Seahawk time. We're going to blow you out, and you're done. <laughs> so it reminds me of Swingers, where uh, Vince Vaughn's character is talking uh, to uh, – what's his name? Uh John Favreau. John Favreau. And he's like, you know, you got these bear claws and you're just pawing oh, yeah. at him with your bear claws. But you got these big <laughs> claws. You got to tear them apart. You don't want to hurt them. You're just, played them. you're just playing with them. You what, don't want to hurt them. What do you yeah. think was more impressive, Connor? You're a bad man. Cam Chancellor and the defense, especially the secondary, or Russell Wilson? Well, I think it's twofold. I mean, Cam Chancellor, we – we all sort of took a step backwards. We watched him blow up Mike Tolbert. Oh, like, man. And it was like he knocked him three yards backwards. And, and we were all thinking, maybe Troy Polamalu in his prime. But who else could do that? Mm. I mean, saw the fat moving from one section of his body to the other <laughs> on that play. <laughs> He's big but, but Russell Wilson, it was cool. I got to talk to Warren Moon a little bit after. And I asked him, like, there were so many third downs where, uh, you know, Carolina was giving them that bootleg, and Russell Wilson was throwing touch passes over defenders that were a foot taller than he was. And, like, just watching him do that, plus, I mean, I mean, that touchdown to Curse was, was one of the best throws I've seen all year. I mean, it was perfect in stride. Curse got away with a little push-off. But, I mean, it, that, that was one of the best games he's played as a Seahawk, too. I, I don't think there's any question about that. He was almost perfect. I mean, he was 8 of 8 on third down for 200 yards. Wow. Which is outrageous. Seven first downs, three touchdowns. That's all on third down. He he plays such a different style than anyone else. Anyone, really. But it's so efficient. You have less chances to make big plays. But, like, every chance he had to make a big play, he basically did it in this game. He did. And, and, then, and then you have that backing of, of, of Marshawn Lynch. So it's like you can do what Russell Wilson does, which is essentially like, like, a, like a game management on steroids, you know, and then he can pop something <laughs> like he did to Doug Baldwin where, you know, they, they bring the safeties down and, and he has a one-on-one or, or, or something like that. But uh, it's, it's just a great formula they have right now, which is why, like, I'm almost curious to see what, what they'll do as far as upgrading skill positions in the future just to see if, if they think they need to give him more weapons because I would love to see what the score would have been uh, on Saturday if, if Percy Harvard was still on that team. Paul Richardson tore his ACL in the game. And but Marshawn Lynch, I mean, again, we talked about it a little bit last week. They, if they ever, if they were thinking about the, to moving on from him, and I know he's a bit of a pain in the ass or whatever, but if you were thinking of moving on again, it just every time he touches the ball, the crowd goes nuts. 
He makes big plays. He sheds tacklers. It's almost always a positive play. He is, I mean, Russell Wilson's the most important player on the team, but he's the lifeblood of that offense. I mean, it's so amazing to see what he does for that team every time he touches the ball. I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, I think it would be so naive to think that, 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 that Turbin or, or Michael could just come in and the two of them could combine to do what, what Marshawn Lynch has done. I mean, I, I've just never seen kind of an evasiveness like that from a running back before. And then it's also, the, like you said, kind of the, the personality that fits somehow in that, in that puzzle that is their locker room. And it's like, you know, he, he's just every bit Seattle right now. And, like, they serve Skittles in the press box. Well, uh, well, well, you went out to dinner with Doug Baldwin. Look at you. And (laughs) the night before, I mean, that's some that's some big timing reporter news. Like, well, first of all, tell us about that. But what do you think like his teammates would think if they got rid of Lynch? Wouldn't they be wouldn't they be furious? I want to know what his teammates would think about Connor or getting lunch with Doug Baldwin or dinner with Doug Baldwin. (laughs) Well, first things first, uh, uh, Doug had a smoothie, so it was all good, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I honestly think that they would, ro- they would roll their eyes to it because it's like, you know, Russell's going to get the big contract. We all know that. He's, next year, there's a 99% chance he's the highest-paid quarterback in football. But I, I just think that still at some level, like the way that he operates compared to the way that Marshawn Lynch operates, I think that Lynch is so much more kind of an emotional barometer for that team. Like, and, and I think that I think that uh, Snyder and, and the rest of the Seahawks would be so wise to just to, to really find whatever room spare room they have in the cap to give him like a, a nice two or three year deal, something a little bit more than he's worth, just to kind of appease. I, I think that would go a long way towards helping everybody else out. Well, I think the Seahawks did plan to move on, but NFL plans aren't written in stone. They flow like a river and they have to adjust now because they thought Lynch would be on the decline because his numbers the past couple of years showed that he was declining and then he goes out and has his best year was a bigger part of the passing game more integral to the offense I think they have to adjust those plans and I think they will yeah I don't think there's any question you can't you can't overlook a talent like that and 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 letting him hit the free market he just seems like the kind of guy that would try his best to, to stick in the division and just try to uh to stick it to the Seahawks <laughs> twice a season every year. Especially if they win the especially if they win a title. I mean this is a story that's just starting really for them. I mean they they have the pieces it's insane how they have seven or eight different players on their defense that feels like that guy can take over the game. I mean Bruce Irvin continued to play really well. I was impressed with Cliff Averill. It's like everyone is playing well for them. Connor, because I don't know if we'll get to talk to you before uh next Sunday's show I'm curious if you think being in that building, being in that locker room, getting lunch with a star wide receiver, uh, <laughs> do you get the vibe that there's any way a team will go in there and steal the NFC title game away from them? I think so. I mean, there was one point when, uh, uh, I mean, Carolina kept it close. And I think the second time that they scored, uh, you know, the stadium actually did go quiet. I mean, there are times when the crowd can be taken out of the game. And I think that that they can be neutralized. It's just, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, can a team go blow for blow with something like that? And, you know, I do think the Seahawks are very beatable, especially between the first and third quarter. Like Greg was saying, the fourth, if, if they have a slender lead or it's close, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a question. But if, if you're up two touchdowns in, in, the, in the fourth quarter, I think you have a decent shot, or even one touchdown. <laughs> I think you have a decent shot at, uh, at taking a team out. All right, Connor, thank you. Excellent stuff from uh, the doomed Connor Orr, who uh, who really is the only true reporter in the group, let's be honest. This guy, he's, he's, the, he's the good. So thank you very much for the great work, and Greg will be sending you now on his dime to Acapulco. Congratulations. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, See you, Connor. See you, thank Connor. you, buddy. See you, guys. All right, before we go, Wes, I'm going to put you on the spot because I, I find you to be a scientist, so much so that I call you the scientist at times. All right. Uh, uh, there are four quarterbacks remaining, okay? And this might be one of the great final fours in the history of the league at the quarterback position. Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. In less than five seconds, put them in order. Healthy Aaron Rodgers, number one. Tom Brady, number two. Andrew Luck, number three. Russell Wilson, number four. Greg, football head. Right now? Yes. Rodgers? I think, man, well, I, I do a ranking system. I know I'm Time's up. It. What was I your mean, fourth I, one? Russell Wilson. I do year-end – I mean, I do these year-end rankings, quarterback index, and for there it was Rodgers, Brady, Luck, Wilson. But for for right now, this week, I think I would take Luck over Brady. So you I, think the Colts are going to beat your team? 
No. Oh. I don't. TD's shaking his head. It feels like he has a hot take back What? There. No hot take. I'm just saying, like, Brady, it's more like a lifetime achievement award. I know he had a great, you know, he, had a, he, had, a, he had a couple of, That's a what couple I'm of good moments. But I might take Wilson and Luck ahead of Brady. After Rodgers. I'm just Brady, saying. Brady being severely disrespected Brady for the second had a week great, in a row. Yeah. Brady had a great. Brady progressive, guys. He's an assassin. Who has Don't the best, forget that. Who has I the agree. best body language? Oh, Russell. No question. I'll take Russell. Well, you don't Russell, like Tom no Brady's body language? Well, well Tom, he Tom's did have his good, head in his hand. But, hands. yeah, he does, he does get a little pouty he sometimes. He a little bit. Yeah, he does get a little pouty sometimes. Luck's good as well. He, I mean, there's a guy who gives They're gap. all four great body language. Well, But Runner, Rodgers. No, no, no. Rodgers is not top ten. He's not. Why? He's very, very. Hmm. Just so everybody himself. knows, TD's being totally serious right now. No, I am. He's very by himself. About himself, as you can see, a lot of ex teammates mm. come out and he's say stuff like, "Oh, that guy is not really like he's very." He's by a little himself. weird. Yeah, he thinks he's the man a little bit too much. But he is. Uh, he works is the man. For him. But you know, people kind of get jealous of that. All right, you heard it there first. Mm. The one Aaron thing Rodgers not a good dude. TD. <laughs> the thing those other quarterbacks they don't have though that Tom Brady's been spending a decade searching for used to have it early in his career the playoff magic and Tom Brady found it last week now he's right. gonna sprinkle it the rest of the way stole it Two from Joe games. Flacco <laughs> exactly uh, we will be back on Wednesday right Greg I think we'll be back what Tuesday actually this week we'll is be different back on Tuesday right all right should be Tuesday back Unless Tuesday well we'll get Sessler back in the fold if we can find him. Uh, if he's not wandering too deep into the forest, so we'll go four across to start digging into championship weekend as we get closer and closer. And, and, and in case you were wondering, we're all going to Arizona, the whole around the uh, around the NFL group. Patrick's covering the Pro Bowl. I think Connor Orr is going to be with us, right? He will. So we're, we're going to be all over this, and the podcast will be live from Arizona. We might have a special show. In uh, in store. There's a lot to be excited There's about. a lot to get excited about. There's only three games left in the season, but the fun's just getting started for the Around the NFL podcast. So we'll be back on Tuesday. This is Dan Hansa signing off for the mailman or the scientist and the boss. And, of course, TD behind the glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com you never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 